Welcome to Anchor Church's podcast. Today we're tackling a kind of strange topic. We're asking the question, does the Bible leave room for aliens? Let's listen in. What do you know when it comes to aliens? Well, you might know a little more than you realize. What do you know? You know that aliens tend to like to phone home. Everybody knows that. What else do you know? Well, you know that aliens are big into 70s and 80s music, but it tends to make their brains explode. What do you know about aliens? You know that um, you know that if you spend a lot of time and devotion, you can actually communicate with aliens. You know that Mel Gibson is really brave, but not nearly as brave as Will Smith, who keeps getting called on over and over and over again to deal with, especially the violent aliens. So, so you got a lot of alien knowledge in your head, whether you like it or not. You know a lot about aliens, but you may not know as much as I do. Yeah, that's right. I have taken it a step further than just the movies to try to discover what we can know about aliens. In fact, a group of friends of mine, uh, in fact, they were pastor friends of mine, we one day on a trip uh, stopped in Roswell, New Mexico because we wanted to discover what's the whole talk about Roswell and the alien landing and all that. We wanted to find out more. Well, all we found was an alien-themed McDonald's. There really wasn't much there to discover. And so a few years later, we went to the real source of it all. We went to Area 51, the genuine, the true Area 51. We went there, we drove in. It was the smallest town you would have ever seen. Just a few trailers, a convenience store, and a diner. But we were going looking for answers. And so after our lunch, I asked the waitress, I said, Tell me about Area 51. She said, Air Force Base. I said, come on, there's got to be more. She said, nope, it's an Air Force Base. And I said, really? She leans in. She whispers, no joke. She says, there are cameras everywhere. I'm not telling you anything. She backs up and she says, it's an Air Force Base. And we're like... That's right, that's what we came here for, the conspiracies. And so we started into the car and we started driving out to where Area 51 was really located, which was about two hours from that diner. And we drove, drove, drove through this mountainous area. We drove past what we believed could have been a mutated cow carcass. <laughs> kept driving, kept driving, kept driving. We didn't know if we were going to find it or not. But eventually, we look in the distance and we see this gate. And then we look to the side and we see a truck pointed toward us up on the hills. We kept driving toward the gate, driving toward. We, we parked at the gate and we saw all these signs that read, do not pass. If you pass, you will get shot. I mean, it was sign after sign after sign after sign. And a little further, we always saw was like this little shed and a few more trucks pointed right at us. And then we see the truck that was a little ways off. They, that truck actually drove and started following us. We looked around, we surveyed the, the area, and we decided we want to live another day. And so we went back in the car and drove back home. And so after all this, after traveling to Roswell, after traveling to Area 51, what I have to tell you is that my knowledge of aliens extends only to my 
movie watching. I really haven't learned that much more through the travels. But I will say I am interested in this stuff and there are all kinds of questions that, you know, we can speculate about. One in particular that the movies doesn't really tell us is do aliens and Christianity mix? Do, does Jesus and extraterrestrials go together? Does the Bible leave room for the existence of aliens? And so we're going to talk about this because you might be surprised to hear that there have been some major Christian leaders who were open to the idea of aliens. And at least for me, that's a surprise to me because I grew up in the church where I always believed that you couldn't believe in aliens, that that was sort of secular, that was bad, like that was the fantasy stuff. You got to separate out those things. You can't really believe in that stuff. You might be surprised to know that Billy Graham, who was a famous evangelist who actually happened to advise different presidents throughout the 20th century, was pretty open to the existence of aliens. And so was C.S. Lewis, who was this avid Christian author who actually wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He was open to the idea of aliens. So I'm going to tell you four objections to seeing aliens as a Christian. And we're going to talk about the responses to each of those four. The first objection is this, is that the Bible doesn't mention aliens. And for something as important as aliens, the Bible would have something to say. And because the Bible doesn't mention it, there cannot be existence of aliens. Well, here's what I have to say about that, is that the Bible leaves out a lot of important stuff. The Bible doesn't talk about DNA or dinosaurs. The Bible doesn't talk about America. The Bible doesn't even talk about Panda Express's signature orange chicken. I mean, there are some really important, valuable information that is just left out of the pages of scriptures. What's going on there? Well, the Bible has a purpose and there's a trajectory. There's a story that the Bible is telling. In fact, the Bible doesn't really tell everything about what's going on in the world. The Bible focuses on one corner of the world, the nation of Israel and the, the family of Abraham and, and Jesus and his followers. And, and it stays pretty small, even though it has this, this, this trajectory of impacting the whole world. There's still not a whole lot that gets mentioned. We don't hear about all of the major historical events going on in that, even in that time. And so if the Bible's going to leave out different things going on in the world and focus just on a corner of the world, doesn't it make sense that the Bible might just be focusing on a corner of the universe? For objection number two is this. It deals with creation. And it goes like this, is if aliens do exist, then that means we uh, have a lot more evidence for life coming about through natural causes. That we don't need God for there to be life. And what I would say to that is, is I would actually point to William Paley, a philosopher in 1802. He actually came up with this analogy called the watchmaker analogy. And he said, just imagine with me for a second that you grew up in the forest, maybe in the jungle, and you had no contact with civilization and you stumble on a watch. Of course, he didn't say a Fitbit, but let's go with it. And he'd say that you would see the purpose and design in the watch and you wouldn't necessarily think that this must have grown on a tree. You would think there must be some other intelligent mind behind this design. There's too much purpose in its design and function that without any intelligent designer. And so I would take it a little step further. 
And of course, he takes this to and, and applies this to something like human beings and says, you know, it's, it's really hard to see the design and the beauty of, of the human body and say that that just came about through natural causes without any intelligent design behind that. And I'd say, well, what if you found a second watch? Would that give less reason to believe in an intelligent designer? I think it might actually give more reason to believe that there's an intelligent designer behind uh, such complex, um, purposeful works of art. So for objection number three, this one's a little bit more drawn out, and this deals with Jesus. Basically, it goes like this, is if Jesus became a human being and died for human beings, his incarnation and his atonement, then there can't be aliens because Jesus didn't do that for aliens. And so here's my response, and I actually break it into four parts here. And what I want to do is I actually, uh, I want to give a little uh, mnemonic, a memory device to, to help you remember these four parts. So go ahead with me. Uh, we're just going to close our eyes right here. And again, this is just a memory device. And I want you to picture a sheep, maybe a cartoon sheep, if that's a little more natural. And we're going to just picture a sheep. And this might be weird, but kind of picture wings growing out of the sheep, these big, massive wings. The, and then the sheep uses those wings to flap higher and higher and actually flies on top of this huge skyscraper, lands on the roof, and grabs a candy bar. That, that, that the sheep finds on the roof and kind of pulls the wrapper off with its teeth and, and eats the candy out of the candy wrapper. Okay, open your eyes. You just memorized the four different responses to Jesus and aliens, okay? Here it is, starts with sheep. This one comes from Jesus' own parable of the lost sheep. He says there's a shepherd who had 100 sheep and one went missing, so he leaves the 99 to go and search for the one. C.S. Lewis speculates that if there are aliens, then what if those aliens never sinned? What if they never disobeyed God? They never fell. And so they were kind of like the 99 sheep that never went missing. And so what makes human beings special isn't because we're so great or because we do anything really brilliant at all. It's because we sinned. We were the lost sheep. So that's one way of looking at it is that aliens never sinned. They never fell. They didn't need Jesus to incarnate and to um, atone for their sin. The second response is you imagine the, the, the sheep kind of growing wings, as strange as that is. Well, those wings are angel wings. So let's think about angels for a second here. Is angels relate to God in a different way than human beings do? We know uh, that a third of the angels rebelled against God, but Jesus never takes on the form of an angel, never dies for the angels. God has a different way of responding to the angels. Maybe God responds to other intelligent life differently, just like he responds to angels differently. Maybe he has different ways of dealing with different beings. So it's, it's an option. The third option is uh, the, the, the sheep lands on the roof. And so this is a skyscraper because it's in a big city. It's not Chicago or New York. It is Gotham City. And uh, if you've ever watched Gotham, um, um, you know, sorry about this, but spoiler alert, I'm going to uh, say something about Gotham. We got into Gotham maybe about season three or four. We actually were sick of it, even though I love the idea of an origin story of Batman. And there are things I loved about Gotham. The thing I didn't like was that the same character kept dying and coming back, dying and coming back, dying and coming back. Well, some people believe that if 
There are aliens that Jesus keeps dying and coming back, dying and coming back, dying and coming back. This one's pretty strange because that means that Jesus would actually take on the form of all these different aliens, that he is nonstop going to planet to planet to planet just to die for all these different planets. It's a little strange. In fact, one of our founding fathers refused to be a Christian partially based off of this theory that he thought was absurd. That guy was went by the name of Thomas Paine. He said, this is ludicrous. I can't be a Christian. Unfortunately, Thomas Paine didn't know about these other uh, possibilities for Jesus and aliens. But uh, I'll tell you what, that one is probably my least favorite. But then the fourth one, you imagine the sheep grows the wings, goes on the roof, eats a candy bar. And on that candy bar are the words, Three Musketeers. Now, I don't know about you, but I know almost nothing about the Three Musketeers except their slogan or their phrase is one for all and all for one. And I think from that we could actually get one more possibility is one for all. In Romans 6 even, we see that Jesus died once for all. And so, could that all be beyond just humanity, that Jesus died for human beings? We kind of see that throughout the Bible, that when humanity sinned, it affected all of creation. And that Jesus dying makes a difference, not just for human beings, but in some way, it actually affects all of creation. What if all of creation isn't just the earth? Could it be that there are aliens and other planets light years away who are worshiping God because Jesus came and took on flesh of humanity, that Jesus became a human being. I don't know. And I know there's a lot of speculation. I know that this is maybe a little out there for you, but all to say that we do serve a big God and that there are mysteries in this universe. There's a lot that we don't no, and could that be a possibility that Jesus died not just for the sins of humanity, but for the sins of beings all over the universe? Maybe, maybe. Well, we're going to get to our fourth objection here. And this objection deals with humanity. And this might be the strongest objection. This comes from Paul Davies, who said that Christianity would unravel at the discovery of aliens because Christianity posits that Humanity is the pinnacle of everything. And if there's aliens, then that's not true. What do we do with that? What do we do with humanity if aliens exist? Well, this seems actually like a familiar objection. It seems as though throughout history, there's always been this push-up against, this pushback against these discoveries where we realize we're not in the center of the universe. It's like when we discovered that the earth wasn't flat, when we discovered that the earth wasn't at the center of the solar system, that the sun is at the center of the earth, revolves around the sun. It seems as though Christians had a hard time dealing with that because it seemed like that pushed humanity to the margins a little more. And so I feel like the discovery of aliens would be a similar thing where it would push humanity to the margins a little more. And as we come to discover this, we, we, we've come to discover more and more just how small we really are. I think of uh, the image that's kind of been known as the pale blue dot. 
Um, you can see this here where this is one of the furthest points we've ever gotten a picture from. And you can see that that is the earth, this pale blue dot that just sits on this thread of sunshine. And you look at that and it looks so, so vulnerable, so insignificant, so small. And yet everything that's ever happened in all of our histories, everybody you've ever known, happened on that dot. Every worry, every fear, every problem exists on that dot. It's all right there. And, and you see it and you realize we are so small. We're so very small. And here's what I really want to tell you is in light of just how small we all are, I, I want to say that, yeah, humanity is not actually the pinnacle of everything. It's not all about humanity. It's all about God. Listen, um, you may have wanted to hear me say what I thought about aliens, and maybe I've shared a little bit. I, at the end of the day, I don't know. I don't know. It's not really that important what I think about aliens. And you know, it, it's more important to, to say what, what you think about God. But even then, at the end of the day, it's not so important what you think about God. What's most important is what David writes in the Psalm 8. Is He says this, when he looks up the stars, he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the, the sun and the moon that you have set in place, I think, what is man? that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him. What David's saying is it's not so important what you think of what's going on out there. It's not so important what you think of God. What's most important is what God thinks of you. And so yes, I believe there is a wonder inside of us to look at the stars, to look at the plants and say, wow, there is some mystery there. There's a wonder there. But the real wonder is in who God is. That there would be a God who is three persons in one. That there would be a God who is both transcendent, meaning other, and yet imminent, meaning close. That there would be a God who knows all and is in total control and gives us the freedom to make choice. There is a mystery, there is a wonder in God, but the real wonder isn't even just in that. Isn't even in just who God is. The real wonder, the real wonder is that that God who is so big, so mysterious, who holds the universe in his hands, looks down at that pale blue dot and he sees your face and he knows your name and he hears your prayers. The real wonder isn't totally in who God is. The real wonder, to me at least, is what God thinks of you and who you are before God. And yeah, like I said, I'm not totally sure about this whole aliens thing. But man, there's something far more wonderful that our hearts yearn for, is to be known by a God like that. Thank you for listening to Anchor Church's podcast. Every month we upload new episodes to help you grow in your faith and your relationship with God. If you'd like to get involved further or give into the mission of Anchor, please check out anchorchurchil.com. We'll see you next time.